All right, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here on a Sunday morning. And man, what a beautiful day it is outside. Whew. I, uh, I know we have a few people that watch from other cities, but if you're in Pachos through them today, I fully recommend getting outside as much as you can, right, in these days, spending some time in this glorious sunshine. This is beautiful. Uh, you can turn your Bibles to Matthew 5 if you would like. We're going to be there in just a few moments as normal for a Sunday morning during these live stream uh, sessions. I'm going to give you a few announcements before we get started, and this will also allow people to make their way to the, uh, to the website, to the YouTube page. Let me um, just thank the men that, I want to say, came out, that made themselves available for the men's meeting yesterday. Uh, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that lesson. It strengthened my heart, and uh, we got a lot of good feedback from that. So if you were not available for it, it's, it's on our YouTube page. The name of the lesson was called Stability. And I even had a few ladies um, contact me afterwards and, and mention what a blessing it was for them. So please feel free to check that out. We talked about, uh, we talked about stability in general, but we did have a special focus on the financial situation that the world finds itself facing and, and specifically our economy here and, and what, what the biblical way is to handle that. So uh, please feel free to check that out or share that link with, with somebody else. Also wanted to encourage all of you with something that's been going on, uh, I'd like to say in our church, but it's, it's through our church is a better way to say it. There is an outreach taking place. We have uh, a member or two that have been busy taking food and other necessary items to people that need it. And I cannot tell you what a great sacrifice has been made uh, by this gentleman. And uh, as far as we know, he's still planning to continue this as God allows, as the doors stay open. If you would like to be involved by donating some, some money towards buying the necessary groceries or items, or we can use some of this money to put petrol in this man's tank. From what I've seen, this is about 12 hours a day that this goes on. And man, I've seen the pictures of it. And the, we are not only delivering food, but there's Bibles, there's gospel tracts that are going out as well. Little New Testaments, I should say. And we've had a tremendous response. Guys, this is, it's been so encouraging to see so many of you step up in this time. And, and I really appreciate this gentleman being on the front lines, but there's a lot of people praying for him. And a lot of you have, have also expressed interest in, in supporting this endeavor financially. So if you would like to be a part of that, uh, you can EFT, whatever money God puts on your heart, whatever amount, you can EFT it to the church, but please use this code uh, it needs, you need to uh, put a note on there for LOCKDOWN2020. Use that code, LOCKDOWN2020, and then the church will forward it on to this gentleman. We'll make sure every cent of every rand gets to, the, uh, to this man and that it's used correctly. And uh, I, I promise you this is well worth your time. And, and folks, I know a lot of us, this is a financially trying time. If you can't help financially, we fully understand. This is by no means mandatory. But... 
if you could support us in prayers, please, that God keeps this door open. So send money to the church by EFT. Lockdown 2020 is the code, and then we will make sure it gets to him as quickly as possible. Also, uh, we had a kid's Bible lesson this past Thursday, and I, I sat down with our young one, and uh, me and me and Christina, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. Amy especially, that, that was outstanding. Michelle did a wonderful job of teaching it. We're going to have another kid's lesson tomorrow, Monday that is, tomorrow at 6 p.m. And then we'll have another one Thursday, 6 p.m. And then we'll have another one after that the following Monday, 6 p.m. So we're trying to provide some consistent lessons for the kids. Now this is ages 6 to 13. That's the age group uh, that we're aiming at with this. So if you have any questions about the financial situation I mentioned previously, the donation, or about the kids' lessons, please feel free uh, to contact me or you can contact the church phone and we'll be happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, I also wanted to give you uh, just a bit of a heads up on our vlog. You know we have a Bible Q&A vlog and I post answers to certain Bible questions as they come in. And you can imagine these in these days there are a lot of questions about prophetical situations and somebody recently asked about the mark of the beast. Now they asked a very specific question about it whether it is a literal mark something like a tattoo or a microchip or whether it's uh, more like a belief system uh, is it is it the sabbath day and if you want a fuller explanation about why people believe certain things about it i encourage you to look around on our youtube page you i believe the name was that uh, the name of that vlog was how should we understand the mark of the beast but I have received a, a handful of follow-up questions to that. And this week I plan to make another video, even two if necessary, but at least one to, uh, to answer those follow-up questions because some people are asking, and it's, it's, it, it's indirectly connected, what about vaccines? Because that is something that the government might be trying to force on us. And, uh, when you take the vaccine, maybe they give you a mark. And a lot of people are now asking, what does the Bible have to say about this? What, what's the right approach? So rather than take time this morning, uh, forgive me, <laughs> maybe you would rather hear about that, but I, would, um, I will attempt by the grace of God to post a video about that. So just keep your eyes open for that. Also tonight, we have Bible school planned as usual, 6 p.m. We'll be live streaming uh, the service for that. We're still in the book of Romans. Uh, we're in Romans chapter 5, going verse by verse tonight. So please join us tonight at 6 p.m. All right, that's all I have for you as far as announcements. I see several of you uh, popping in saying good morning and hello. I appreciate those messages. Uh, as always, feel free to use the comment section. Give a good amen or I agree or good preaching or <laughs> some, some encouraging message there will be appreciated. But as always, you don't want to turn that into a separate conversation area, but uh, keep the messages flowing. I, I like to see that. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and we are continuing our series. And please forgive me, folks. I know that the screen might shake a little bit from time to time. I'm doing the best I can. My office was never meant to be a video studio. Um, so... The camera is my phone, and it is on a tripod that is sitting on a table. 
So when I move my Bible, uh, it, it shakes everything a little bit. I'm sorry for that. Matthew 5, and let me begin by reading a couple verses with you. And we will eventually go from verse 38 all the way to the end. But let me introduce the sermon this morning. As you might be able to tell by the title on the YouTube page, we're preaching this morning a sermon called Going the Extra Mile. Going the Extra Mile. And I believe you'll see where I get this title from verse number 41. It says, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, which is old English for saying two. So you can see at the end of verse 41, go with him twain, go the extra mile. So it's not a very creative title on my part. Uh, it fits perfectly with what Jesus just said. Let me show you one other verse in this passage before we pray. Verse 47, Jesus is concluding this part of his sermon. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He says in verse 47, If ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so. And I want you to see especially that phrase in the middle. What do ye more than others? Jesus has a higher standard for His disciples than He does the rest of the world. He expects more from us. He expects, He demands, and He deserves the extra mile. So if you would, let's bow our heads together. Let's pray and let's ask God to help us as we go through this passage. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this privilege. Such a beautiful day. As we read in the Bible, Lord, you said, This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad therein. And that's our intention. We want to enjoy this day. And what better way to do it than opening up the Word of God and spending some time looking at what Jesus said while he was here on the earth. Lord, you deserve our very best. Teach us this morning. Please let the Holy Spirit be our guide. Even as we, as we sit down and, and listen, God, we want to go the extra mile. Give us ears to hear. We don't want to hear with human ears. God, we want the Spirit of God to, to guide us as we listen. So Lord, we want to take this above and beyond. Please help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. I'd like to begin in verse 38. And I'm quickly going to go through this passage and show you how in each instance Jesus is taking us a little further. He is going the extra mile in each situation that he mentions. Now, ironically, on Wednesday night, we covered these verses in Bible school. So some of you, you are coming out faithfully for the Bible school classes this is going to be a little bit of repeat for you, but that never hurt, right? Especially when it comes to the Bible. Verse 38, Jesus said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. That was the law. In the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, you find this law laid out, and it had to do with somebody being guilty. And if they're guilty of affecting his neighbor's eye, then he should receive an equal punishment. His eye gets affected. If he knocks his neighbor's tooth out, his tooth should be knocked out. So it was tit for tat, if you can say it like that. But Jesus takes it a step further. 
Verse 39, but I say unto you that you resist not evil. So under this new system, this new covenant that Jesus came to institute, he says, guys, we're taking it the extra mile. We're going to go a little further with this. If you're a follower of Christ, it doesn't mean that when you do something wrong and you're guilty that you say, hey, listen, I'm under grace. I shouldn't be punished. Jesus says, don't resist evil. Don't resist the punishment. Don't act as if you have a free pass. You don't. What he says next is, is breathtaking. He says, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. A lot of people see this as a, as a verse of pacifism, that we are not allowed to protect ourselves. And that's not the case at all. Jesus is referring to a situation where somebody's guilty and as a believer in Christ, a follower of Christ, if we are guilty of affecting our brother, if we've hit him, we lost our temper, we hit somebody on the right cheek, what would the law demand? Well, what the law and what tradition had come to know is, is right is you just turn your head and they give you one on the cheek back. Jesus says we take it a step further. If we're guilty, and I say we, speaking of disciples of Christ, if disciples are guilty of doing something, we should have known better. We had the massive advantage of, of having access to the Holy Spirit living within us and the Word of God revealed to us. We should know better than to haul off and hit our neighbor, our brother, on his right cheek. So what we do is we say, listen, I'm, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against thee. I, I'll take double punishment just to prove that I'm very sorry for what I did. So that's why we turn the other cheek and say, I'll take it, take it again. Now, in verse 40, you can see this principle emphasized. It says, And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat. So you see, you went to court and you were found guilty and he sued you and he took your coat. Let him have thy cloak also, which was, you'd think of it as an overcoat, but double punishment. He went the extra mile. Now, with that thought in mind about going further, going beyond man's expectations and the world's standards. Jesus has higher standards, what we might call the heavenly highway of living. Verse 41, he's running with that thought. He says, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile. Now the Greek word that gives us this is, is where we get the word million, million. And it just meant a thousand paces. If someone is compelling thee to go a thousand paces, what, what we would walk a mile. Go with him twain. Go the extra mile. Verse 41 to me doesn't sound like a punishment, but it's in the same line of thinking that we as disciples of Christ, we will go a little further. We will go out of our way. And if someone needs help, we'll not only offer the help that they're asking for, but we'll even offer a little extra if need be. Verse 42, he continues with that same theme. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. So somebody in, in the previous verses asked, can you help me carry this? Or can you help me, you know, there's, there's something I need help with that's about a mile away. We go out of our way. Somebody comes to us in verse 42, says, listen, I'm suffering. I, I've hit a hard time with my finances. Can you help me get this and that straightened out? This is not a sermon on giving. So... I don't want to turn it into that. Can I just briefly summarize this in verse 42? Because there's a lot we could say, need to say about it. It's a separate sermon in itself. Let me just say that as 
Christians, our, the dial of our heart should be set to generosity. We should be looking for opportunities to help folks, even with our finances. And a little later, I'm going to say more about this. We should be generous and smart at the same time. But let's continue on. Verse 43, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. In the Old Testament, what was happening is, I should say in old times, what would happen is people looked in the Old Testament and they kind of, what we would call cherry picking. They would look at particular passages and verses and then they would justify this attitude of if people do you right, you love them. If people do you wrong, you hate them. And you, if they make fun of you, you can make fun of them back. If they're nasty to you, you can be nasty back. And then they would look at particular verses in context and they didn't look at the subject in the Old Testament as a whole. Right? They were going by the traditions that sprung from a few passages in the Old Testament. Jesus, he's going to take it a step further. He's going to go beyond the world's expectation and standard. Verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. Now, you go out in the world, and the world standard is, if somebody's nasty to you, you have every right to be nasty back to them. Jesus said, that's not how we do it. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we try to follow that example, walk in His footsteps, and you'll see in just a few minutes, I'm going to give you some examples of how Jesus dealt with His enemies. You pray for them. You bless them. They're nasty to you. That doesn't give us the right to be nasty back. That gives us an opportunity to show them how different we are as Christians and how we have a higher standard for living. Verse 45, he says that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. So if you want to prove that you're a follower of God and you are one of His children, then you act like your Father. How does the Father act? He says, For He maketh His Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. God treats His enemies properly. Please understand, He didn't say that those enemies, you have to call them friends. You're still allowed to call them enemy. Do you see that? In verse 44, Love your enemies. But even though I call them enemy, I treat them good anyway. Because... The Father Himself, right? In the book of Psalms, we read that He's angry with the wicked every day. And even though that anger and that wrath that abides upon the children of disobedience, that is a real thing. At the same time, there is the capacity within God to feel compassion, care, mercy, love for these wicked people and provide for them. That's the example we want to follow. That's a higher standard. And he illustrates it in verse 46, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Well, you shouldn't expect any reward, right? They gave love, you gave love back, that's just equal. There's really no profit. You didn't excel, you didn't go above and beyond. He says in verse 46, Do not even the publicans the same? What an illustration to use because the publicans, those are tax collectors, they were at this time considered kind of low-life cheats, wicked people. He says, guys, the worst of the worst, 
loves those that love them. That's nothing special. As one of the disciples of Christ, surely you can do better than that. Verse 47, And if ye salute your brethren only. Now to salute your brethren, that is to acknowledge their presence. And when you acknowledge them pleasantly with that salute, that, that kind nod, that uh, how's it, I think is how we would do it in South Africa. How's it? When we acknowledge that person pleasantly, we are, we are in a quiet way acknowledging that they have value. He says, if you only do that to your brethren, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? And yes, they do. We should look even at our enemies as if they have value. And we should treat them and acknowledge them pleasantly. You say, but they're not pleasant to me first. As disciples of Christ, we have a higher standard. We go the extra mile. We do what is unexpected. And what the world might consider strange or peculiar behavior for us is just trying to live as God would have us live. We go the extra mile. We are the city set on a hill. And I think that's a great illustration. That was something Jesus said earlier in the chapter, right? We are a city set on the hill, so we cannot be hid. That, that's, that was the primary purpose of Jesus using that illustration. You can't hide that city. It's up on the hill. But the, in the same illustration, you see how there's a higher standard. The people of the world, as they pass by a Christian, should be able to look up to him or her and say, now that stands out. That is not what I expected. Let me ask you this question. Please ponder this for a moment. Do you strive to live up to the world's standard or up to God's standard? Let me drive this home by making this distinction. Are you what the world would call good? Or are you what God would call godly? You see, there's a difference, I believe, between being a good man, a quote-unquote good man, and being a godly man. And I realize maybe you would use the words differently. Maybe there's some semantics to this, but please understand the way I'm trying to bring my message across. There is the world's definition of what a good guy is. And the good guy, if he's asked to go a mile, goes a mile. If he's done something wrong, he pays the penalty and that's it. If he has enemies, he treats them like enemies. He does them wrong because they did him wrong first. And the world would look at that and say, yep, that's perfectly fine. But as followers of Christ, having a higher standard, asked to go the extra mile, we don't settle for good. We're aiming for godly. Now notice in this passage, Jesus has dealt with social issues and he's dealt with business issues, right? Business-related things. So these are things that affect relationships, right? Marriages, your homes, the way you deal with family, just society in general, those relationships, and the way you handle business. So there, the, the principles in this passage are, are very, very wide, very broad. It covers pretty much every aspect of life. Jesus deserves and demands the extra mile. Now I'm going to talk to you for just a few minutes about three reasons that we should go the extra mile. But before I do, 
I would like to first make something very clear. I want to tell you what I'm not trying to say this morning. I believe I know the crowd that I'm preaching to, our church folk. I know the temptation is for a lot of you, not only you have such a heart and desire and passion for the Lord, you don't want to go the extra mile. You want to go the extra 20 miles. Thank God for you folks. I love you folks. I want to make sure though that we're clear on a couple things. So let me tell you what I'm not saying. I am not asking you, I'm, I do not believe that Jesus taught this. I do not believe Jesus was saying that we should stress ourselves out, burn ourselves out in order to help other people. I don't believe that's what this passage is teaching. I don't believe that Jesus is asking us that in the process of helping others, we destroy ourselves. Does the Christian life require sacrifice? Absolutely. Do we have to pick up our cross daily and follow Christ? Absolutely. Jesus said, if you will be my disciple, you have to forsake all things. There's, there's most definitely a sacrificial aspect in being one of his disciples, no doubt. But it is also correct to say that within the Christian life, we are allowed to set boundaries so that as we minister to others, we ourselves are taken care of by God and by the people around us so that we can continually minister to others. Let me give you a couple examples of what I mean by this. Jesus said, if you've hit somebody on the cheek, you deserve to be hit on the cheek. You turn the other cheek also. You take the double punishment. And by the way, check the Bible school teaching just for more learning on that. But Isaiah 40 verse 2 talks about that double punishment. But he said, turn the other cheek. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, let him hit you on the other cheek and then let him break your back. See, that's going too far. It says if you're guilty, you go to court, you get sued, he takes your coat, give him your cloak also. He didn't say, now give him your house too. See, that's going too far. If your neighbor comes and compels you to go a mile, go with him too. Jesus didn't say, now you got to go 20. If you get the opportunity to go that extra 20 miles, if that unique circumstance needs that, demands that, if you get that privilege and God leads you to do so and gives you the necessary grace, please feel free. I'm just trying to show you that Jesus didn't, didn't ask of His disciples something that would intentionally put them in harm's way. If there, a unique situation presents itself, right, maybe under persecution, dire circumstances, you might be called upon to make a great sacrifice, but we don't go out of our ways, we don't go out of our way to put ourselves in harm's way. Notice what else he said. In verse 42, he says, Give to him that asketh thee. But in Matthew 25, we have a parable of ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. And when the five foolish come and say, Give us of your oil, the five wise ones said, No, no, we're not going to do that. You see, there are, you can set boundaries to this. Jesus said to pray for them that despitefully use you. He said to treat them right, bless them when they curse you. He didn't say that you have to become buddy-buddy with them. 
The Bible says that God makes it rain on the evil and on the unjust. It doesn't say that He manifests His presence to them and spends special time with them. You see, there are limits to this. Jesus did not teach us to be doormats. He did not teach His followers to allow the world to abuse their kindness. We can set boundaries. That being said, and I've said that so that we have a nice, rounded, balanced view of what we're learning today. But now I, I come back to my point that I would like to preach about, and that is Jesus de demands, He deserves a higher standard from us. He deserves the extra mile or even miles when the case might call for it. And I want to give you three reasons why He deserves the extra mile. Number one, I want to talk about the abundance of goodness. The abundance of goodness. In another place, Jesus says, To whom much is given, much shall be required. Friend, I want you to just stop for a moment and think about how good God's been to you. Put away all the complaints, put away all the fears of the future, put away all the distractions, and just think for a moment of how good He's been to you. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Even during this lockdown, to see how God can take a very, a very unstable time and do so much with it and actually produce stability in my heart. I have felt more peace and more joy in the last week than I have in a long time. God's presence drawing nigh. I, I, I want to say He deserves the extra mile because He has been so abundantly good to me. So abundantly good. We haven't had much singing as a church, and God knows I haven't done much singing as an individual. And my voice is nowhere near healthy. But I can't resist. I hope, I hope that this doesn't come out wrong be, with the... Uh, audio, but it's such a fitting song. Have you heard this before? God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't trade them if I could. Cause through it all, God's been good. If you haven't heard that song, I would encourage you to look it up. The full song, all the words to that is such a beautiful message. God's been good. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams. Though I've had my share of hard times, wouldn't trade them if I could. It's through it all, God's been good. You know, Jesus said the thief doesn't come but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Listen, listen to this. The abundant life is not a life filled with things. It's a life filled with God. That, my friend, is when your cup 
runs over. That's when that anointing, that special presence of God gets so real, it gets so thick that all you can do, I mean, the, the hair on the back of your neck stands up. You, you, just, you just pause for a moment and think, this is such a special time. I don't ever want it to end. When you're saved and following the Lord, do you realize what you have? You have the Son of God dwelling in your heart. Oh, let it sink in for a moment. What a treasure that is. We have the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and it's, and it's within us. How special. We have the Spirit of God to lead us. We are able to walk in the Spirit. He communes with us. Any time of any day, you're allowed to take, take a moment, listen to what He has to say. You have the Scriptures to teach you and guide you, to edify you, to stabilize you. Man, God's been good. God's been good. We read in verse number 45, God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He sends the sunshine, right? He causes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good. Guys, God has given us so much more than just sunshine and rain. That is the bottom level. That is the most basic stuff. Everybody, even the worst of the worst, gets in on that. But when you enter into the family of God, you have entered another level of God's love. And the abundance of goodness that you find in that next level, we have more than sunshine and rain. We have the Son of God and redemption. Several years ago, this is a few hundred years ago, the Moravian Brethren, led by uh, Count Zinzendorf. The Moravian Brethren, they, such a tremendous portion of church history when we read about what they did and how God used them. The Moravians went everywhere as missionaries and that was their big focus. And at one point, you, there were two men, Dober and Nietzschemann, and they, they wanted so desperately to minister to the African slaves that were being sold into, into the slave trade, and then taken across the ocean to St. Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. These two men, they implored the governments to let them get on the slave ships, and they were willing even to sell their, themselves into slavery, if need be, to give up their freedom so that they could minister to those slaves. They tried and tried, and everything got denied. They, they wouldn't allow, the governments would not allow them to sell themselves into slavery, as I understand the story. But eventually they worked it out so that they paid passage to get on a ship and sail across to where these slaves were being taken. And then they began to minister and they saw hundreds and hundreds of people saved, baptized, and made into disciples of Christ. But as those two men, Nietzscheman and Dober, boarded the ship, they turned and it's reported that they hollered back to their to their loved ones waving goodbye on the coast, and they said, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And that line rings out now for oh, almost 300 years. What a tremendous statement. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. What are they saying? Jesus deserves the extra mile. And friend, they went the extra mile. They went the extra mile. Jesus 
when God sent His Son, He sent us redemption, and we know that He came to die for us, but, but also, might I say this, He gave us His death, that's true, but He also gave us His life. Now let me explain what I mean by that. Yet we have the death, burial, and resurrection. Praise God for that, the payment for our sins. We could be reconciled to God. But we also have the example of His life. Which leads me to my second point. Why should we go the extra mile? He's been abundant, abundantly good to us. Number two, Jesus has given us ample and adequate examples. What does it look like to go the extra mile? How are we to understand that? What are the limits? Because you'll see this now in Jesus' life. There, there were limits. But what does it look like when a man is going the extra mile to be a godly man? Let me show you. Can I ask you to, to move her in your Bible a little bit? You can find Matthew chapter 20, please. We're going to come back to Matthew 5. And I'd like to just point out a few verses of Scripture to you as examples of Jesus going the extra mile. Now, you're getting Matthew chapter 20. I am going to just give you a couple stories as you find that. You might remember in Mark chapter 1, there was a leper that came to Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when this leper came, kneeling down, he said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Now, do you understand that in the days of Christ's ministry and his, his time on earth, lepers were not allowed to approach uh, people. They, they were in quarantine. Those lepers had to stay separate. They had to cover their mouth and say, unclean, unclean, when somebody came near. This leper so desperate, he approaches Jesus. There came a leper to him, it says, beseeching him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And the Bible says, Jesus was moved with compassion. You know what would have been perfectly okay, and the world would have been all right with this, for Jesus to say, listen, you should be in quarantine. Um, go away. I'm sorry, I can't help you. Jesus looked at how desperate this man was and He said, I, I can't turn this man down. The Bible says He was moved with compassion. You know the story. The Bible says He put forth His hand and touched him and said, I will be thou clean. That's going the extra mile. To reach out and touch a leper, that is a higher standard of love and compassion that's the same compassion that we should be moved with. In Mark chapter 5, we have this story. It's also in the book of Matthew, but Jairus, one of the rulers, he came to Jesus and said, please, my daughter is, is sick, even at the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her and you can heal her. So as Jesus is making his way quickly to this man's house, a woman with an issue of blood crawled her way through the crowd and grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment. And again, you know the story. That woman immediately received uh, that, uh, the healing she was looking for. And Jesus stopped and said, Who touched me? You know what the disciples said? The reaction? What do you mean, who touched you? Everybody touched you. This is, why would you ask such a question? They, they did not realize just how desperate that woman was. But you know what? The world would have been fine had Jesus said, Please, lady, this isn't your turn. I'm trying to help somebody else. You'll get help later. Jesus stopped 
and made time. I see this as going the extra mile for that one individual's needs. And he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. You know what they said right after that? They approached Jesus and said, it's too late. The young girl has died. Don't bother the master any further. And Jesus said, we're going further. And he went to the house and everybody laughed him to scorn and said, there's nothing you can do. He said, I've come the extra mile. I'm going to make sure something gets done. And he goes in and he raises that young lady from the dead. We have ample and adequate examples of going the extra mile. You're in Matthew chapter 20 in verse number 30. The Bible says, Matthew 20 and verse 30, And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. And the multitude, look in verse 31, The multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. That is the world standard. You're two blind men. You are too outcast of society, too useless members of society. You just sit by the wayside and be quiet. Don't bother the master. we got other things to do. The multitude, the world standard. If Jesus had passed these men by, the world would have said, yep, no problems. Not Jesus. Verse 31, the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace, but they cried the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou Son of David. I love this next part. Verse 32, and Jesus stood still. In this case, it wasn't him going further. For him to go the extra mile, he had to stand still. And he made time for these two people that society had forgotten about. He stood still and called them and said, What will ye that I shall do unto you? And we know how the story ends. Lord, that our eyes may be opened and Jesus restored their sight. And can you imagine when they open their eyes for the first time and, and the light bounces off their eyes and they can now see, the first thing they see is Jesus standing there smiling at them. He took time when no one else would take time for Him. That's going the extra mile. Take a look at Matthew chapter 19. Let me show you another Example, ample and adequate examples of somebody going the extra mile. Matthew 19, verse 13. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. Hey, we don't have time for this. Jesus is here to preach some deep doctrinal message. He's here to accomplish some great fulfillment of prophecy. We don't have time for little kids to come and play with the with the Messiah, this isn't time for that. If Jesus had, I want to say, shunned or ignored those kids and said, kids, this isn't the time. i got bigger things to do. I'm about the Father's business, please. You know what the world would have said? Eh, no problem. That, that's, that's standard business. Just ignore the kids while the adults get on with their business. Verse 14, but Jesus said, suffer little children. That means allow them. Allow them to come. Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. For of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. You know what Jesus did to go the extra mile? He made time for these little people. Moms and dads. I know that all of us, our, our lockdown situations are unique in that some of us are able to work from home, some are not. 
So please apply what I'm about to say to your situation in, in the right way. Can I ask you to carve out of your busy schedule some special time for those little ones? Spend some special time with your kids. I, yesterday I was so busy. I had the men's meeting in the morning. I had to prepare for my Sunday sermon. I have to prepare for Bible school in the evening. And at a certain point I was sitting at my desk and I was working hard and I was looking at this passage and I said, you know, I love my church folk and I want to be well prepared. And I, and I did. I, I did the preparations I needed, but I thought about Amy sitting in the other room and I thought, wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be helpful to carve out some time and go spend a few minutes with her? I asked her to put her shoes on. We went outside and played volleyball for a bit. You say, can I be going the extra mile for God by doing such a thing? I did that because Jesus set the example. I'm following His example. I tried to be a blessing to, to some younger one, to, to some little child that's in my house that I can love on. I don't feel like I cheated God in any way by stepping away from the desk. I did that because God taught me to do that. I'm following the example of my Savior. I'm going the extra mile to treat people the way He would like me to treat them. Can I show you one more in Luke chapter 23? I believe it's worth our time to see this next one. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 34. What about the people that hate you and revile you, make fun of you, treat you wrong, cheat you? Does Jesus give us an example of how to treat them? Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus has been nailed to the cross, and this is the first thing He said. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His raiment and cast lots. And the Bible goes on to talk about how all the people standing round about, they reviled Him and they cast out of their mouths all these horrible things. Jesus did not revile back. They called Him names. He did not fire off nasty names at them. He rather prayed for them. That's going the extra mile. When people have all these nasty things to say about you and you're able rather to pray for them and be ready to forgive them as He was. You know how this passage goes or finishes up? As Jesus is hanging there on the cross, there are two thieves and one, both thieves are, are saying nasty things about Him. Halfway through, one of the thieves repents. Jesus could have turned, by the world standard, it would have been fine to turn to that thief and say, hey, you've been making fun of me for three hours and now you want me to be your savior? No. That's not how Jesus reacted. The world might have been okay with that. But as soon as that one thief repented and said, listen, I deserve this punishment. You don't. Jesus, please remember me when you come into your kingdom immediately. This is the extra mile above and beyond. He didn't even bring up what this man had been saying for the three hours before this. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Ready to preach the gospel to somebody that had been hating on him for three hours. Going the extra mile. Can I point this out? The crowd standing around said, come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. Jesus drew the line. He wouldn't do that. You see, there are boundaries, I'm sorry. There are boundaries. You can't do everything that everybody asks you to do. You are allowed to say no, 
But when there's a legitimate need and something you can do that falls in line with the will of God, you go the extra mile, even if it's difficult to do it. Last thing, three reasons why we should go the extra mile. God has given the abundance of goodness to us. He has offered ample and adequate examples for us to follow. And number three, the amazing benefits. Can I ask you to come back to Matthew 5? The amazing benefits of going the extra mile. The world, their standard is, you give as long as you can get something out of it. I will, I will lend you money as, as long as I know you'll pay me back, and by the world's standards, they usually ask for interest. Jesus, when this, uh, it, well, I should say in another sermon, he said it like this, but love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. So when we do good and we help, we're not expecting anything out of it. And I think a lot of times what happens is we, we go out of our way to be a blessing and nobody sees it. There's no pat on the back. There's no thank you. Folks, I know there's so many of you that do so many things behind the scenes and, and I know I, I've felt it myself sometimes. You feel unappreciated and, and because of that, you feel this temptation to quit and say, you know what, there's no recognition. There's, this isn't right. If I'm going out of my way, if I'm going the extra mile, shouldn't at least somebody say thank you? And it can be hard to continue on when no one seems to care about the extra effort you're putting into it. Let me ask you this. God sends sunshine and rain on good and evil alike. How many times do you think people thank Him for that? How many times in the day do even the good take time to thank God for their daily needs being met? God doesn't get recognized for all the good that He does either. For all the work behind the scenes, He still does it because it's right to do. Can I show you something in Matthew 5, verse 48? I, I purposely did not read this verse because I wanted to finish with it. Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I, I hear this verse used a lot when people are evangelizing. And I understand the way that they try to use it. But it's a slightly out of its context when they say it this way. They use the verse to say, you see, God demands sinless perfection to enter heaven and you've fallen short because you've sinned. And, and I understand the point that people try to make, but that's not what Jesus is teaching here. He's not saying, be ye therefore sinlessly perfect. What he's saying is, be therefore complete. You're not supposed to only love your neighbor and your brethren and your friends, but you have to love and treat properly even your enemies. Be complete. Don't just live up to the world's standard of good. Live up to God's standard of godliness. Then you're complete. When you've gone the extra mile, even when no one else recognizes, and you continue to give of yourself and be that disciple that carries his cross without complaining and says, Lord, you deserve the best no matter who sees it, no matter how many thank yous I get, can you imagine the amazing benefit one day of standing before the Lord and Jesus says to you, well done.
you lived a complete godly life. I told you to be perfect as the Father is perfect. You finished the work that I gave you to do. You completed it. You, it's, he's not going to say that you were sinlessly perfect. He's going to say, you did what I asked. You went the extra mile. You loved the unlovables. You helped beyond, beyond expectations. And even when you did make a mistake and deserved to be punished, you did everything you could to make it right and prove to the people that you would never do it again. You completed the task. That's the amazing benefit of going the extra mile. I realize down here it seems as if no one sees the effort, but somebody is watching. God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. You keep going the extra mile and I promise you will not be disappointed. There is an amazing benefit and that is the smile on God's face watching His child grow, follow in His footsteps, and then one day enter into the joy of the Lord. Folks, I implore you, please, take some time, examine your life and your heart, and ask yourself, where is it that I can maybe step it up a little bit in my Christian life? I don't want to live up to the world's standard of good. I want to be God's standard of godliness. I want to be the disciple that Christ demands and deserves. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity and privilege to preach this morning even by live stream. And I want to pray and ask you right now to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Even in this time of lockdown, God, might we, might we grow and become more like you. And I know, God, that there are sacrifices to be made. And Lord, we do have to forsake, be ready to forsake all things to follow You. And we do have to take up that cross. Help us to do it with a cheerful heart. Help us also to do it with discretion and wisely so that we don't burn ourselves out and waste uh, our lives, Lord. We, we want to use what You've given us smartly. But oh, Lord, we know there are so many opportunities, so many people in need. God, we volunteer ourselves. If you compel us to go the mile, God, we're willing to go twain. Jesus certainly went a little further. You are worthy, oh Lord. You're worthy of our very best effort and more. And Father, perhaps somebody today is watching this and they've never been saved. They've never been born again. Today, Lord, would you manifest your love in their heart? Would you show them that you're willing to go the extra mile and forgive every sin they've ever committed and save their soul and walk with them? And Lord, let them experience some of that abundant goodness today. Father, thank you. Thank you for guiding us, for the examples, for the help this morning to preach. Would you please... Lord, this sunshine you've given us, we thank you for this beautiful sunshine. Help us today to enjoy time with each other and with you. And I pray that, God, you bring us back tonight again, 6 o'clock, ready to hear again from you, from your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much for your time this morning. 
By the grace of God, we will see you again at 6 o'clock.